Hey sister, welcome back to the Your Sorority Journey podcast. Over the past year, I want you to think about how your relationship with social media has changed. For me, I've noticed that I am on social media more than I have ever been in my life while feeling more lost than ever before about what to post or how to engage. In the same way that you might be feeling a little lost about how to talk about your lifestyle and the things that you have going on that aren't as glamorous as they used to be before the pandemic, I think our sororities are having the same struggle. How do we showcase a sisterhood experience that continues to be meaningful and purposeful that just doesn't look like we are accustomed to it showing up both in real life and on social media? I am so excited to introduce you to a new rock star sister friend of mine, Lynn O'Dell, who manages an account called Sorority Social Media. As this platform has only existed under the cloud of the pandemic, she has become an expert at helping women share their authentic stories, specifically those that are virtual of the sorority experience. And I am so excited for her to share with you not only her sorority journey, but some implementable strategies to reframe the way you look at both showcasing your sorority experience on your personal social media and how to help your chapter share your story of sisterhood to the community through your official account. Before we dive into my conversation with Lynn, I have got to let you know about something I am super excited about. Over the past several months, we have been planning a big project that is coming up in March. We are announcing it on Friday and have been sharing clues every day this week. Make sure that you don't miss out by heading over to Instagram and following and turning on your notifications so you find out when everyone else does. We cannot wait to let you in on what we've been working on and hope you are just as excited as we are. Now here's my conversation with Lynn. Hey sister, Cassie Little here to welcome you to your sorority journey, a podcast for sisters to find guidance and confidence in any season of their membership. Our rockstar guests and I have intentional conversations, discuss unpopular topics, and provide relevant encouragement to be an extension of your sisterhood. So thanks for inviting us on your journey. Are you ready to dive in? Welcome to the Your Sorority Journey podcast, Lynn. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we hit record, we were talking about the tundra that you're living in right now. Tell us about what Kansas City's like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we are experiencing like negative 10 degree temperatures. It's been snowing. Um, We're now experiencing some power outages, scheduled power outages from um, the electricity company. So that's been interesting. I thankfully have not lost power, but several of my coworkers have. So that's been just interesting time. We've been working from home the past few days because of the weather. So it is not normal to say the least. I, we, I don't think we've hit negative eight, but Denver was like below zero, like negative one, negative two, like over the weekend. And my friend and I went up to Breckenridge actually to get some content for her sorority journey. And the weather or like the temperature in the mountains was like 20 degrees warmer. I was just like, so, oh, wow. isn't that wild? That um, is. 
but I'm with you. We lost power for a couple hours this weekend and I'm knocking on wood that we don't lose power for you during our conversation. Feels like all of our sisters across the country are just like frozen. Well, let's just like dive right in. I'm really excited. You and I just met like last week, two weeks ago. Um, So I'm really excited to actually hear your full sorority journey too. So do you want to just like walk us through what it's been for you since joining Alpha Phi? Yeah, so I think it's important to start the conversation with the fact that I never in a million years pictured myself joining a sorority. I came from low socioeconomic status background. I was a first generation college student. So going into college was first a really big step for me. And then, you know, seeing what you see on the TVs, on the movies, knowing what's out there on social media, I just didn't see that being a place for me. And so I went my whole freshman year being really involved in my major. I was a vocal music education major, so really involved in music. I stayed in touch with a lot of my high school friends. But throughout that year, I felt that I was missing out on something. I felt that I was missing connections. I was missing out on kind of building myself, building my leadership skills and just being involved on campus. And so I had a great friend in my public speaking class. Her name was Kelly and she would eventually be my sorority sister. And we were just talking about it. And she was like, it's really not all that you think it is. And I could see you being a really big asset to Alpha Phi if you went through recruitment. And so after that conversation and summer went by, I decided to go through recruitment and ended up joining Alpha Phi and it was everything that she had said it was. It was everything that I had hoped for and everything that I think I was missing really. And I ultimately wanted to join for the leadership. That was what I valued most. And coming from my background, like that was something I really felt that I needed to propel myself forward for my future. And so when I joined, I went in full force because I was a sophomore. So I was like, I only have about two and a half years because I would be student teaching my last semester. So I was like, time is a ticking. Like I gotta, I gotta get involved and I gotta go full force. (laughs) So when I was a new member, I ran for exec. Didn't work out. (laughs) Didn't work out, which is totally okay because I think as we all say, like you don't necessarily need to have a position to be a leader. And so yeah, titleist leadership. Yes. And so I took a couple of smaller roles. I was music chair. Um, and I was assistant new member educator and I just tried to be a good, a good member, you know, go to everything, be there for my sisters and just try to be involved as I could. Well, as time went on, um, that same semester towards the end of the semester, one of the vice presidents had stepped down from her position, vice president of community relations. So overseeing service and philanthropy and all that sort of things. And they were like, Lynn, you should apply for this. You'd be great for this. And we really want you to be on the executive board. And so that was my first exec position and got to take oh that on. Gosh. Yeah. And after that, um, I became chapter president and that was really a full circle moment for me because I remember during recruitment, I had said to my boyfriend, who's now my husband, that I wanted to be chapter president, that that was like my ultimate goal was to be president. And that was one of the best and also most challenging experiences for me, which we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but also like one of the most rewarding things, and I think is really what set me, set me up for my career now and set me up for all the things that I've accomplished. 
while I was president, I think one of the things that I had really set my sights on was to be a leadership consultant. I had met leadership consultants, talked with them a lot, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do after I graduate. Nothing, nothing else. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it for two years. I had this whole path set out for myself with exactly what I wanted to do. Had a little bit of a backup plan in the back of my mind, but I was like, eh, I'm not going to have to enact that. Like, I'm going to get this leadership consultant role. And so I had applied, went all the way to the end of the interview process and didn't get the position. Wow. And I remember being so devastated. Um, I, I remember the phone call. I can remember being in my house, getting the phone call and being so devastated and being very bitter, I think, because I had put, you know, from my perspective, I had put so much time, so much energy yeah. into my chapter I had gone through this interview process, gave it my all. And so I was really, really upset. Um, it wasn't sure what I was going to do after that. And I still had to be president during all of this too. So still oh. had to finish out my term and, you know, still leave the chapter in a really good place. But I think as time went on and even now, like I was not ready for that position. Like I was not mm. where I needed to be to do that. I was not, and I'm sure you can relate to this, being a consultant, you have to be really in tune with who you are. You have to be really confident in yourself and in your abilities. And while I was confident with my chapter, I was not really confident in myself and mm. in who I was. And so I, I think I would have gone into that position really struggling. And, and I think it's, you think so many plans for yourself and, and it's so, you know, stereotypical to say, but everything does happen for a reason. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't take that position and I graduated, got engaged that August, ended up going to grad school, which was my backup plan originally, but that was <laughs> Funny, what that I, little thing you tossed away ended up coming back to be plan a yeah so that that's what I ended up doing got a graduate assistantship at the University of Missouri Kansas City which is now where I work so it all really came full circle and I think you know like I said we have so many plans for ourselves but really everything does work out and I'm just glad that I let that bitterness go because I think I could have easily held on to that and that impacted my future with fraternity and sorority. But, you know, I kind of had to let that go and, and let the love for sorority still push through. Mm. That is so tough. One of my really good friends, who's also an entrepreneur and she was a Delta Gamma at Oregon. We had her on the podcast last summer, I want to say, and she has a story similar to yours. She was president through a really hard season of her chapter they went through some they were in big trouble and <laughs> she like helped them navigate <laughs> <laughs> she helped them navigate that with the national organization with the campus she was like i am so equipped to support another struggling chapter that they go send me to and she also did not receive that opportunity and i um i mean the lead up in my story sounds a lot like yours i think I was so involved and cared so much about something that that's all I could see myself doing. So I can only imagine the bitterness you felt to not have this plan that you saw for yourself and like felt that you deserved follow through, you know? And mm -hmm. I think the key is 
what we do with that bitterness, right? Like, do we allow it to shape the way we approach everything in that sphere? Do we allow it to like taint the rest of our presidency or our lifelong membership to Alpha Phi? Or do we allow it, do we grieve it? Do we like give it time to sit and then create a new relationship with something that means a lot to us outside of this experience that we weren't able to have? Yeah, absolutely. I think you summed that up perfectly. I think bitterness, it could have taken over really my whole experience. And, you know, now I'm an advisor for my chapter. And so that's a great experience just to see how far the chapter has come and to still get to support the women. Um, And again, it all worked out for a purpose. I mean, I have a great job. I got some great experiences. And so, you know, I don't think I would have gotten engaged if I would have been traveling as a consultant. For two so, years, right. Yeah. So, you know, everything does work out. And so I hope, you know, if someone is listening to this and if you're applying for a consultant position, you don't get it, it's going to be okay. Like it will be devastating, yeah. but it, but it is for a reason. And your sorority journey is not over just because you were received a redirection, right? Like there's so many different reasons, especially right now. Like a lot of consultant teams are shrinking, you know, Um, just because the experience looks different. I also think that this message is applicable to women who maybe just applied or ran for chapter president three months ago and weren't elected, right? Or, Or any insert ideal dream sorority officer position, right? Like I don't think these, what seem like failures or rejections have to be the end of the story. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I can remember when I ran for that position as a new member, I was so nervous. You're like reading a little, a little piece of paper in front of like 60 of your sisters who are all older than you. Um, And to face that rejection, like that's tough for sure. But ultimately like keep keep giving the chapter your all and people will notice and that opportunity will come. Totally. I love that. That's such a good sentiment. I, um, I love that you continue to work with sorority women who probably face the same rejection and disappointment and bitterness that you did, because what a better person to hear from than someone that was like, yep. And these are my accolades. And these are all of the things I was able to accomplish. It's like, you know, I feel accomplished and I feel really proud of what I was able to work through, but I wasn't governing a perfect chapter. (laughs) You know, I didn't get everything I applied for. Right. I didn't get this first exec position. I wasn't a leadership consultant, but I'm still, I still like hone in on those lessons that I learned and am growing in this season of my sorority journey as much as I was when I was elected chapter president, when I felt super accomplished and on top of the world, there's growth and purpose in both seasons. Yes. hundred percent. So you kind of touched on it. And so maybe if not so much, why you went into higher ed, why do you stay in higher ed? Like what value do you find in working with sorority women? Yeah. So I think, you know, ultimately my presidency was why I went into higher ed. I think I went through, uh, like I mentioned, a really challenging presidency and really similar to your to your friend that you mentioned of, we were going through some things with our national organization. I was told, you gotta get this chapter's act together. 
and pretty much change an entire culture. Let's let's be frank about that, uh, which doesn't right, happen no overnight. Small feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which does not happen overnight. Um, but I think that's why I love Praetorian Sorority is it is challenging. Mm. It challenges me in a lot of different ways in working with all types of people in thinking through things with a different lens from different perspectives. And I'm getting to learn a lot about different organizations. During my undergrad, I'll be totally honest, I did not know anything about NPHC. And that's so embarrassing for me to say. But now getting to work with these organizations and having worked with them for the past three years, I'm learning so much and I'm being able to educate Panhellenic women and IFC men about this, these organizations. And honestly, that's my favorite thing. I think it's it's really challenging me to help educate others and challenging the students that I work with. And so I just love that fraternity and sorority is always challenging me to be better. And I'm always challenging my students to be better. But I think also from my presidency was I got to see that I made a difference. While that difference didn't happen just in my term and now being an advisor, I got to see that you know, my presidency impacted the next presidency who impacted the next presidency. And now looking back, it's a completely different chapter. So what I did, did make a difference. Well, it didn't happen maybe the way that I wanted to. Do I look back and think you could have done that differently? Absolutely. I could have absolutely led better. <laughs> I could have done a lot of things better, but ultimately the small things that I did led to big changes. And I think that in higher education and as a fraternity sorority professional, we have the opportunity to do that every day. Whether mm. it's big changes, whether it's small changes, you have the opportunity to make a difference in one student's life or a hundred students. And so that's what I love about it is it challenges me and I get to make a difference in, in my students' lives. I love that. I think, I don't know. I think about legacy a lot, especially in the work that I do now, because when I was in college, I was studying for the LSAT and I wanted to be a international or immigration lawyer. I wanted to work wow. in law. Right. Yeah. My second degree, my degrees were in business law and business Spanish language and culture really aligned with what I do now. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I, I loved sorority so much and I was so passionate even in college, but like, I can't wait to be out in the real world with a rock star job and tell people I'm a sorority woman. Like I want to be out in the world, like maybe volunteering, maybe involved in some capacity with Sigma Kappa, but I want them to know I'm a sorority woman. And that is what gave me the skills and the passion and the ambition to go out and impact society, contribute to the greater good. And then one thing led to another after I graduated, after being a consultant and staying in higher ed and then leaving and starting my own company, I was like, oh, I am actually not supposed to be like out in the real world. Like I'm supposed to help more women go to the real world like you, right? Yeah. Like helping use my experience to empower women in their collegiate experience to go out in to be a nurse or a kindergarten teacher or a social media manager, whatever, and make yeah. a difference and be a positive ambassador of what sorority looks like post-grad. And so it's funny that you bring that up about like looking at your legacy and impacting the work, impacting the opportunity that women can have from their collegiate experience. If they're a chapter president who's like looking for direction or feels redirected after being 
rejected in some capacity, right? Like there's just so much impacts that can come from working in this space. And I love hearing you talk to talk about it like that, because in the same way that you grew so, so much as a chapter president, you're now able to help women have those moments. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it's important too. like, I, I think, you know, in my work, I work with IFC and NPHC too. And that has been such, like I said, a challenging experience because I'm not members of those organizations, but to make a difference in those individuals' lives is really impactful for me too, just because we're both kind of, we're both gaining something. Like I'm learning more and they're learning more and we're challenging each other to be better. I, I don't really like superiority mindset. Like I'm like their superior. I, I just like to build relationships with them and get to know them on, on a personal level and try to impact them that way rather than, you know, being the authoritarian of the community and things like that. Like I don't, that's not how I build relationships. Um, And so that's just been really impactful for me is, is me learning from IFC, IFC learning from me and same with NPHC and MGC, like we're all learning from each other. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I love the most. I love that. I mean, obviously there are professional boundaries that come, right? Like I got super close with our fraternity sorority life advisors. They're actually some of my FSAs from college or some of the most involved people in the work that I do now. And I don't know. I just think it's really cool how those relationships last can last so much longer than college, but, and that's because of the ability to like, just be like, Hey, like, let's just work together. I don't want you to feel like I'm the advisor. Like don't invite me to a party, but like, besides yeah, that, don't call like- me on the weekends. Don't call me on the weekends. Don't call me after 10 PM unless there's an emergency, but right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> balancing like the boundaries with like, I just want to be your friend. Like I want to help you in a appropriate setting. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. Okay. So you, when did you start grad school? We, I guess we graduated the same year. So yeah, I graduated 2018 in May. And so then I started graduate school in August. Okay. So you had like a year and a half almost of experience advising in normal circumstances, now you're going on a year of supporting the, frater- the fraternity and story life community in a virtual or socially distanced environment. What has that shift looked like in your professional life? It's been really difficult. I think the students are so tired of Zoom. They're just tired of being behind the screens and they just want to be together. And I have to remind them that we have to ensure that we are providing an experience. That's the first thing is there, we don't have the time, we don't have the space to not provide an experience to our members. Our members want a return on their investment and that's their time, that's their money. Like, let's talk about money because we all pay to yeah. be in these organizations. Like we, that is a huge thing. For someone who I worked two jobs throughout my sorority experience to pay for that. Like if I'm not getting anything out of that, if I'm not getting to develop my leadership skills, if I'm not getting to connect, if I'm not getting those things out of it, like, yes, the relationships are important to me, but I can still maintain those relationships if I'm not an active member, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to be providing our members a return on their investment. And that's by providing a virtual experience right now. Is it difficult? 
absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's difficult but we have to at least give it a go and give it a try right and I think a lot of my students are realizing you know that first semester was really difficult I think because it was like an immediate shift there was no planning there was no preparation yeah. just an immediate shift and I think that was devastating for everyone I mean that was devastating yeah. for me because I had just started my position um, as interim coordinator that same month of wow. the pandemic we went from I got the position went to working from home and then also figuring out like my relationships with these students figuring out how right. to do my job like yeah. figuring out all of that so it was extremely difficult um and of course extremely difficult for them too they're all moving back home they're having to figure out their lives figure out classes yeah um, what a mess but I've seen a big shift this semester of and we had the fall semester too where I think people were still trying to figure it all out um yeah. but now we're we're in a place where we're like we can't go another semester without doing anything. Like we have to figure out new ways to do things and we have to figure out how we can still maintain this sisterhood, maintain this brotherhood and still, you know, be attractive to new members too. So it's all about, I think, just trying, trying new things, being yeah. creative and seeing what your members want and moving forward with those ideas. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think the creativity piece is the tough one, right? Yeah. I work part-time at a fitness studio and my owner and I were talking a couple months ago. She said, Cass, it's really hard to be creative when you're tired. Like we're all just like so burnt out and exhausted because yes. we've been like reinventing the wheel in every sphere of our life, right? It's not like we're just like reworking how to be a sorority woman. We're like reworking, like how to go to the grocery store and like what like family gatherings or holidays look like. And yeah. if it's okay to like be involved in external things, right? Like fitness schedule, self-care, how to not like lose it with your roommate. You know what I mean? There's like all these like various like areas of life that are just like very fundamental and underlying chaos makes the on surface like what's above surface, like unbearable, you know what I mean? Like things we used to be able to do super easily, like plan a chapter meeting are suddenly like, I actually have no ideas what to do for programming ever. Like you used to yeah. do this all the time, but now it's like, I don't know. I'm completely out of ideas, you know? And I work with yeah. a lot of sorority women who are in that boat, like just so burnt out. And I, I think it's just super hard to like stay motivated when you're so tired. Yeah. And I definitely see that. I mean, I think we experience that like constantly having to be the one who's encouraging and supporting and also trying to help them come up with ideas. I mean, totally. I am like, how many different ways can we do a philanthropy fundraiser? <laughs> like, you know, how many different ways can we do things on social media? Like it is definitely challenging. And I think we as leaders like to take on a lot of that burden instead of, you know, tapping into those people who aren't always at the forefront and may not have their ideas shared. And so how can we tap into our general members about what do they want to see from sisterhood? Yeah. What ideas do they have about for service? Like let's, you don't have to be the one to bear all the burden, like tap into your sisters and tap into the people who aren't in those positions. Totally. Speaking of like how it's really 
hard on you and I like to be the ones continue <laughs> like motivating and encouraging. I like feel that on a spiritual level, right? Like it's been a year. And in that time, you've been a little creative and started sorority social media. I would just love for you to like share with us more about what sorority social media is, what motivated you to start it and how you keep up with the exhaustion that we just talked about. Yeah. So I think it's important to start by, I would not be doing this if it weren't for Guillermo Flores. Um, he is the creator behind fraternity social media. And so if you all don't follow Guillermo, um, he has a great personal account and fraternity social media is a great account, but he kind of started that at the very beginning of the pandemic. And when he started that, I was like, that is genius because we all know that fraternities are not the best about marketing themselves on social media. Uh, my fraternities sometimes they never even post pictures or take pictures together. So it was, I think for him, it was all about starting to get fraternities to get into that and get into social media. And I encouraged my community to follow the him. We brought him to do a speaking session with them and talk about social media. And then one day he messages me and he's like, Hey, can we set up a time to chat time to, you know, just get to know each other. And we had met maybe once or twice at AFLV or some other conferences um, and so we're on the phone, we're just chatting and he brings up this idea. He's like, well, I want to expand this to different audiences, but I'm not really the person to do it because I'm not a member of these organizations. So what do you think about starting sorority social media? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? You want me to do that? Like, I was so shocked that he had reached out to me. Um, Cause I mean, in the field of fraternity and sorority, I'm like down here, you know, I'm just a new professional, like starting out, like I am not this big name or anything. And so um, that meant a lot to me that he noticed me and believed in me to take on this, you know, passion project that was his and was kind of his creation. But I love social media. I have, you know, not really invested into my own personal social media. I mean, I love the editing. I love all of the things that social media can do. And one of my favorite things when I was president was when I didn't have a VP of marketing, I took over the social media oh, uh, and, and ran the chapters account for a while. And that was honestly one of the most fun things for me. Cause it was just like, it wasn't really work. It was just me getting to do something that I love to do. And so now doing it, it's just a lot of fun. I don't really see it as work. My goal is just to help sororities really tell their authentic story. I think, and we've talked about this, is that sororities, I think, have gotten really caught up in the aesthetic. We're trying to show who has the cutest members, who has the best t-shirts, who totally. has, who throws the best formals, who does this, and it's really like, are, is that what we're about? Is that what, is that the story we're trying to tell? Because if yeah. that's the story that we're trying to tell, then I don't know if that's an experience people want to join, you know, and we have such powerful stories and, and the things that we do for our members, the, the way we support their academics, the way we give back to our communities, our philanthropies, the relationships that we cultivate, like we have so much more to share and it's all about being authentic. And that's what I hope to do with the account is just help sororities tell more authentic stories and aesthetics can go along with that. You can be authentic and have a good aesthetic, but if you're just focused yeah. on the aesthetic, you don't have, that's not authenticity. Aesthetic does not equal authenticity, but you can have authenticity with aesthetic, if that makes sense. 
What a quotable. I love that. You know, (laughs) I think that's so true. Right. Like, and you've come across some sort of Instagrams, right. That are like very like color oriented, like aesthetically pleasing. And you're like, I love this, but what is the story they're telling? Like, what is the depth behind some of these photos? And I love your account because it's helping women dive into our most public platform, right? All of our organizations have websites. All of our organizations have maybe like a page on the FSL website where you can like get more information. I don't even, I'm trying to think of like where else you would get information before recruitment. Right. Maybe a Facebook page, but everybody, every PNM is checking out the Instagrams. So what message are we communicating to women before they join about what it means to be a member? What are we communicating to other organizations on campus about what relationships with us look like? What are we communicating to parents or alumna about what this organization stands for now? There's so many important components of it that I think we miss out on. We're just like trying to figure out what to post on a Wednesday. It's like, what if we focus less about like just posting on a Wednesday and like posting with meaning? With intention. Yes. Like there's like, if we're just like posting to post, like what, what is that? Like, you know, like there should always be a purpose behind what you're posting. And that's, and that's something that I definitely believe in and am a firm believer in planning your content and always have, and always relating back to the organization. If we're just posting, you know, solo shot after solo shot, you know, what is that? What is that telling a PNM? Cause that's not telling me sisterhood. Right. That's telling me we're just, you know, showcasing our individual members, but Right. But I think, you know, you had asked about the exhaustion piece. And so obviously I work full time. I do this already social media. I'm an advisor to um, the chapter that I graduated from. I'm married. I was going to say you have a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A husband. We have two dogs, a cat. Um, And so for me, it's always about prioritizing my time and trying to make the most of my time, but also realizing like when I'm exhausted. So I told you right before this, that last week, I, it was a rough week for me. I don't know, nothing really bad happened, but I was just like not feeling it. So I told my boss, I was like, I'm taking Monday off because I just need a day to not think about all of the things that I have going on and just to yeah. have a day to myself, though I still went to Panhellenic exec, still looked at my email. I didn't respond to any emails, but still looked at it. (laughs) Um, I've been there. I've been there. But it's also knowing when to ask for help. Like Guillermo and I are constantly like shooting each other ideas and bouncing things off of each other. And I think that's, that's, what's great about having someone in your life that you have a similar passion with. And like being able to really encourage each other and lift one up, one another up and just be creative with each other. I mean, we, we send each other things all the time. And so I just love having that person. I'm sure for you, like having an intern, like that is like, I don't know how you could do it without that, like without having someone to like bounce things off of, because I would go insane. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, we, I ran our sorority journey without my intern until I would say like for six months oh, wow. and for sorority women who have like built 
a lifestyle and an expectation that you're on a team, right? Like I am like the biggest team builder. I like definitely could have been better like as president to like not own so much of it, but I was always like mm. running things by like my exec or like getting in and out and like venting, whatever. Like there was always a person to go to and gosh, like in my last relationship, like my ex didn't know anything about sororities. Right. And so it's like, okay, well that's like a dead end. So it's like, I have <laughs> to find people who I'm like, not going to burn out about yeah. like my work life, but like, I'm an external processor and like keeping it all up here is like exhausting. And so I, it's so awesome that you and Guillermo have one another to like work with, even though you both have your own spheres, it's like, you're still on a team, you're working together. And honestly, that's how I feel one about my intern and two about just like the network of women who are also like, yes, Cass, you like need to be doing this. Like if there's anything I can do to help, even if it's just like running a graphic by, like it makes such a big difference because we weren't built to like run these impactful platforms alone. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's the network piece is something that I'm definitely trying to build for myself. Like, I'm so glad that we connected and that your Me intern too. showed you sorority social media. Like, I love that. Um, Cause I think especially in fraternity and sorority, it can be really isolating in just our field. And so having a network of people that you can trust and you can rely on is, is so important. And I'm, and I'm hoping to definitely build that with, with sorority social media and continue to build relationships across the field. Yeah. I also think when we build relationships like that, we are, we're allowing vulnerability to play a role, right? Like we're mm -hmm. removing any like mask or facade that we're like running these, like I said, impactful platforms with so much like confidence and um, without any hiccups, right? Like I think when you create a, a network of other women who are also kind of in your boat, not only does it that authenticity piece, not only does that kind of break down the walls that like of competition or comparison, but I also think it creates an example to follow of the women we're impacting, right? Because if we want, mm. the, if we want to make an impact on the women in our audience, we have to live the way we're hoping that they live or like act the way in community that we, we want them to act in their community. So I think it's also reflective of our hearts for the sorority community. Mm, yeah, that was, that was good. And I think too, like, it's okay to not be the expert of everything. Like I am not going, <laughs> like, I'm not going to be the expert in, in, you know, team building or DEI or different things like that. Like those aren't my expertise, but those are people that I want to surround myself with so I can better myself and the platform that I have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think just hearing the impact you want to have on sorority women, like really just shows in like the short time I've known you. And so I am really excited. I, um, I'm really excited for the thing that you're going to be involved in in March. Um, Ooh, yes. <laughs> still top secret, but I, yeah, I'm just really excited to continue working with you. Um, I think though with, because you are an expert in social media, I would love to hear like what advice you have for women about how to showcase their membership experience in a virtual time, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
I think your heart for social media surely came from your chapter experience before we were like social distanced, virtual, masked up, right? Like it looks so different. So you and I both know there's still value in the sorority experience, even in its current state. How would you encourage women to showcase that on social media? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it reminds me a lot of things that I hear women say of like, I really want to better our chapter's image. I want to improve our chapter's image. I want to improve the way we look to this stakeholder, or I want to make us look like we're more involved on campus. And the thing is, is that you can't do those things until your actions are doing them. Preach. Oh, that's so good. You cannot change your image until your actions change that. You can't look more involved on campus until you're involved on campus. And so how do you, if you're not having a virtual membership experience, you can't showcase it. Like there's no way to sugarcoat that. Like you, you can't market things that you don't do. And so I think first is looking at your chapter. What are we doing? Are we having some really awesome virtual bachelor nights? Are we, you know, that's, that's what I would want to do though, you know. Lots of things happening in Bachelor. (laughs) Yeah, Bachelor Nation is a dumpster fire. Um, But what are you doing? What are the things that you've been able to accomplish in this time period? What are the experiences that have been impactful for your members? How has this bettered your sisterhood in some ways? And how can you tap into those different people to showcase those experiences? Because I think the most impactful thing on social media is hearing experiences and seeing the experiences rather than just, you know, solo shot with some happy Friday. Like, let's hear about that sister, how this virtual experience has changed the way she's viewed a sisterhood. So for people in leadership positions, how has navigating this experience impacted you as a leader? How can we showcase those experiences and how can we showcase that we are still a strong sisterhood even in the midst of COVID, maybe how we come out stronger. And I think that's what we have to showcase because if we're not showcasing anything, then what do PMs have to look forward to? Because who knows when this is going to be over? I mean, they say we're going to be back to normal in the fall, but things change every day. So we've got to prepare and we've got to continue to market ourselves. Yep. Oh, that's so good. And I think the really crucial piece of what you just said is they say things are going to go back to normal. Something that I try to focus on is how can I encourage the women in my audience not to focus on going back to normal and being super present right now because nothing's given, right? We don't know. Mm -hmm. We're living in a constant state of uncertainty. So how can we use the resources and network that we have available to us, to our benefit, to continue furthering sisterhood in the way that we believe it can despite the circumstances or despite any promise of doing a door stack ever again in the future or having a formal (laughs) ever again in the future, right? Will those things probably come? Sure. But are they essential? Are they like fundamental to our organizations existing and making an impact? No. I, I just can't get over what you said about you can't market an experience that you aren't living. This is something I talk about all the time when it comes to sorority recruitment, right? Like you want to change your culture during change it. work week or <laughs> totally right. But like, but don't wait until like pre-recruitment week 
to like completely yeah. revitalize the sisterhood experience. Like start now, like start in March, start having yeah. the events that you want to tell potential new members about in September, start connecting with sisters and creating those memories that you want to tell potential new members about in September showcase right. the experiences that you want potential new members to join for. Now you can't do that in a week. You can't, I argue you can't even do that. Like in, in a month. A month. <laughs> yeah. Like so you, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think like, think about our seniors, they don't have next fall to look forward to. This is their last semester. This is what yeah. they have to look forward to. How can we provide them a last good semester that they're going to remember mm. because their time is up soon. And if we're just cons consistently thinking about the future, like what does that leave them? Yep. A great lens to look through our seniors. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, the wisdom. Oh, the wisdom from our seniors. Yep. Um, well, thank you so much, Lynn. I feel like you've just given us such a great, really practical way to look at social media and the longevity of the experience, regardless of redirection. So thank you for coming on today and sharing your story with us. I would do want to ask though, like there's anything you want to like leave our listeners with the floor is yours. Yeah. Thank you so much again for having me. I, I so appreciate it and love getting to know you. Um, for anyone who's listening, if you want to follow sorority social media, it's just at sorority social media. Um, we give a lot of tips, some tricks some ideas to post. So if you're like, man, I don't know what to post this month. I'll, I'll give you some, I'll give you some ideas to get started. If you aren't sure how to get a content calendar going, send me a message. I'm happy to set up a time to meet with you or go over ideas that you have. Like, I just want to make a community of women who are supporting each other and telling their authentic story. So sorority social media, that's where you can find me. And my personal um, Instagram is linked in that account as well. If you want to give me a personal follow. Yeah. And you will be tagged on social media. So our women can find you there. Thank you so much for coming on. This was so special. Thank you. One of my favorite things that Lynn shared today is that while authenticity can have an aesthetic, aesthetic does not lead to authenticity. I think sometimes on social media, we can get so caught up with how things look that we forget to share the real sisterhood, the real story behind the images. I want to challenge you to take a personal inventory of your Instagram. In the moments that sorority shows up on your social media, what light is it portrayed in? You can answer that for your own. There's no one that you need to report to. But I want to challenge you to align the way you feel about your sisterhood with the way you talk about it on social media. If you want to create a brand and a reputation around your chapter, it requires you to talk about it in the way that you've experienced it. And if the experience that you have had is not the most positive, it's your responsibility to further invest in making that experience what you want it to be for the future generations of women who are to come. Regardless of what this past year has looked like or even what your membership experience looked like prior to COVID, I want to challenge you to take advantage of this opportunity to be extremely focused on your sisterhood, rebuilding the foundation of membership for you and your sisters 
so that women who join in the fall through whatever environment that looks like know they are joining a strong sisterhood that has been fully communicated to them in the exact same way that they will experience it on social media. We can't sell something that we aren't living. We can't build a brand around a membership experience that our members aren't actually having. How can you live out the experience that you want your reputation to be built on? We love you, sister. Have an awesome week. Thanks for tuning in to the Your Sorority Journey podcast this week. If this episode left you with any guidance or confidence to navigate your sorority membership, we would love to hear from you. Share a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram story and tag Her Sorority Journey so we can know what resonated with you. Also, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen so more sister friends can find this guidance just like you. Here for you always, sister. 